Thank you, Hazel. It's a joy to be here. And um, again, thank you to all of those who shared in the special Thanksgiving evening recently and uh, for all your kind greetings and cards and things as well. It was a very special time and Pam and I are very grateful. Some of you are asking if it's still, it is still online so you can find it on the, on the website. But also some of you have said to me today, what are you doing here? Uh, as if, you know, you might, I'm still around, I'm afraid, so for Pam and I, in fact, it's a joy to be taking all the services today, this morning, but... Uh, uh, <laughs> so, so really, for me, it's been stepping back from the senior leadership role of the day-to-day -day operations of Woody, so I no longer need to worry about safeguarding and health and safety, all the other things, but particularly, uh, I felt called to a life of prayer, so... One of the great things I said at the Thanksgiving is you never retire from prayer. So it's great to still be giving that input in prayer and in overseeing care, not just to Woody's, but for a number of churches around the city. So um, much to be thanking God for. And today we're continuing our series on the Lord's Prayer and taking a key, a key passage from it. Just those simple words. In fact, this is in Matthew um, chapter 6 and uh, those words where it says, Your kingdom come. So that's our theme for today, your kingdom come. Now, John the Baptist, this was very much a theme of his uh, preaching as he came with the forerunner of Jesus preparing the way. And then when Jesus came, this theme of the kingdom was constantly in his preaching and his teaching. In fact, just recently, I, I read to the Bible each year and uh, um, so uh, you get to know the gospels off by heart after a while. And uh, I just look particularly this time in reading one of the gospels, how often it refers to the kingdom so often. It was a priority of Jesus' ministry was the kingdom of God and should be a priority of our lives. Yet the challenge is sometimes what do we understand as the kingdom? What do we mean by the kingdom of God? Is a kingdom measured by territory? Like if you were to say to me today, uh, we're part of the United Kingdom, does that mean you live within these borders of the United Kingdom, much of it coastal border? And that's what makes you part of that kingdom because you, it's a territorial thing, you're part of the United Kingdom. Or is it... Um, is it a legislative thing? So um, when you go on holiday uh, abroad, you'll be putting up a UK United Kingdom passport. Or if you're driving around the road, you're using a United Kingdom license. In other words, you come under the rule, the legislation of that kingdom. Or is it to do with sovereignty, that you come under a sovereign queen whose head is on our stamps and on our coinage? The challenges in our country and part of Western democracy as it developed is over recent years, different from previous centuries, but now under our Western democracy, in fact, when the Queen gives her speech for the opening of Parliament, it's not really her speech, it's Parliament's speech. It's their programme for legislation that she, as the head of state, is declaring. So that, that sense between the legislative kingdom and sovereign kingdom is, is often quite clouded in, in democracy. In Jesus' day, the understanding among the Jewish people was that life was very much governed by a legislative system of religious rules. That was the kind of under which they, they lived. They also lived under Roman occupation, so there was also a secular legislative system. So when Jesus is asked the question on one occasion, you know, should we pay taxes to the Romans? I mean, they were the secular authority, and the encouragement of Scripture was to be subject to that authority in keeping law and order, etc. And Jesus says, show me a coin. So they showed him a coin, and he says, whose inscription is on it? And they say, Caesar's. So Jesus says, you render to Caesar what is Caesar's. In other words, pay your taxes, but you render to God what is God's. And in fact, for many of those early Christians, they gave their lives as martyrs because of that truth. When Caesar demanded not just tax, but that you had to worship Caesar, they couldn't do it. 
because that belonged to God. What is it in our lives that belongs to God? What is it for the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of Jesus Christ in our lives? How real is it? How effective is that? And for many of us, the challenge is not necessarily about external challenges of secular requirements, whether it's paying our tax, etc., but the greatest battle often for humankind is an internal battle. The battle is, who is on the throne of my life? Who rules? Is it Jesus, the King of Kings, or is it under human nature, uh, I'm number one? I. In fact, it's true of all human, fallen human nature that the first instinct of man is self-preservation. Self-preservation is the first instinct of man. Self-interest is the first motivation of man. What I want, what I'm going to be, what, I, what people think about me, would you say that about me? What, 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 what's my image? And it's, it's I, number one, is on that throne. And here's the radical message of the kingdom of God. It's what Jesus brought as that message of the kingdom and what became throughout the New Testament, the story of that early church, where Paul says these amazing words, I, number one, on the throne. I must be crucified. You cross through the number one. When you cross through the number one, it's like a cross. I am crucified with Christ. I'm still alive, but the life I now live, I no longer live for myself. For me to live is Christ. That's something very radical. It's a whole way of life. I'm no longer living for what I want, what I'm going to get out of life, but I'm living for what Jesus wants, how I can serve him. Now, it's perhaps most evident when we then begin to look further at that, the Lord's Prayer, because it says, your kingdom come, your will be done. What does it mean? be part of the kingdom of God. What does it mean to come under the rule of Jesus Christ in our lives? It means this. It means that his will overrules my will. What he wants, what he has for me, it's his kingdom coming by his will being done in my life. And that's key to living a kingdom life, is to know the mind and will of God in my life. Now, the challenge for many of us isn't um, a kind of rebellion in saying, no, I don't want to do God's will. For most of us as followers of Jesus, we we say we, we want to do God's will. But the real challenge is, what is God's will? How do I know what God's will is? How do I know whether in this decision I've got to make with regard to my career or a relationship or a house move or anything else, how do I know what God's will is? If his kingdom coming is his will being done, then how do I know God's will? And that's a real challenge. I haven't got a few minutes today, but I won't be able to fully unpack, but if you want to listen to, we did an evening a little while back here on Woody Sunday evening on um, our priority series, on the priority of God's guidance in our life, what it means. But these are the four key ingredients. If you're making notes today or if you've got a good memory, hold on, okay? So these are the four things in knowing the will of God in our lives. How do I know what it is for his kingdom to come, his will to be done? These four. It's what we'll call an open page, an open mind, an open door, and an open heart. If that was too quick for you, I'll unfold them as we go through. Firstly, an open page. And that is that scripture is the basis of authority for all life and practice in our personal lives, in our corporate life as church, in our society. Ultimately, it's what it is to know his will is that sense that scripture gives us that basis of authority. Not just for the big questions of life, you know, what, what is truth? How do we understand for church, you know, a kind of doctrinal truth, etc. We look at scripture, not just even the big questions of life, you know, well, I should marry this person or I should take this job, but day to day every day of my life, every step I take, how does God guide us through his word? 
So Psalm 119 says his amazing words. Your word, that scripture, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. A lamp to my feet, sometimes it's just a next step. I, I, I'm longing for God to guide me, but he's just unfolding me the next step. I wish I could know the whole, but it just unfolds the next step. It's a lamp to my feet. At other times, it's a light to my path, like a full beam. Now, we had a wonderful example of this week. So this week, our grandson, Theo, came to stay with us. In fact, he's a medic student up, at, up in Manchester. But he loves surfing, and he got a job at the Wave, which is just at the road where you can surf all day. Now, he got a job in the kitchen. He didn't know what the job was, as long as he had lots of free surfing. So now, the Wave is quite a little way out of town. So on Saturday, he arrived on Friday. On Saturday, we went and got a bike, because it's a fair way to get out there up to... Uh, up to so we bought this bike. He brought with him from home a helmet and an old uh, front lamp you know, for your bike. And he went on his first shift on Monday. It was, an, it was a lunchtime start, but a late finish. In fact, it was midnight by the time he finished. And here was when the shock came. He finished at midnight, got on his bike, got out um, the wave, and he came out to the main There are no streetlights. It's just, it was pitch dark. You couldn't see a thing. Anyway, he switched on his front lamp, which is an old one he had from school, and you could only see about a yard in front. He said, Grandpa, it was absolute treachery. I, as I was going along, I, I, every corner I turned, I couldn't see what was coming around. No one could see me. It didn't light up anything. I, I, I was praying every time I turned a corner that no one would be there. The next day, we went and bought a thousand lumen front light from. I tell you, it lit up the whole of uh, uh, whole of Easter Compton, I think. But but it, it, it's that time where, for God's word, what is it to be a lamp to our feet? Sometimes just a step at a time, that next step. What is it to be a light to our path? Whether full beam, whole way ahead. How does it work? How does the Bible, that ancient scripture, guide me today, 2022? Every day of my life, every step, yep, it can. And one of the important things to understand how deposited truth can become a prophetic now word into my life. So each day when I read scripture, to be able to pray, Lord, speak, your servant's listening. When I say speak, do you mean just unfold to me those historic records of what's happened in history? Or do you speak to me now into my life, into my situation? How does it happen? How does it work? Let's just take one. So I, I read, to, read to the Bible each year, and uh, I've just started again. So I'm in Genesis and just the early chapters. And I come to Abraham, that great patriarch of the Old Testament. And there comes a moment for Abraham where God says to him, I want you to leave your home and your country and your family, and I want you to go. Just that's the God says, I want you to go to a country you don't even know yet all that's ahead. I want you to go. So I read it, and I, I, I discover deposited truth. God is ascending God. God is a God who wants us to take steps of faith, and those are principles of life. But my friend, many years ago now, he just graduated, and uh, he was wondering about, he'd just become a Christian, as wonderful as he got at work in his life, and then he, he began to feel a stirring about maybe serving God overseas. He was a gifted fellow, and uh, he's wondering about it, and he's particularly at this time wondering whether he had an opportunity to be able to go overseas, and uh, he's reading the Bible. As he reads this chapter in Genesis, he reads it, and it's real as if it was someone sat next to him. When he read those words where God said go, he felt God say to him, I want you to go. I want you to leave your family, your home, your family. So here what God was doing was taking a deposited truth and making a now word into his life. I cannot say to everyone who reads that passage, you're meant to go now to China or to India, but that now word is a prophetic word. It's for a particular situation where God takes that scripture and brings it alive to us. Now, every day of our life, God is wanting to do that. He's wanting to help. As you know, I have a little habit. You wonder if I have a new watch every week because I've got a little sticker on it. So my little one today, my little word. I, I, every day of my life, I put a new little word. Just in my read, every day of my life as I read right the way through the Bible, I want to sense just a word for today. It's just about prayer today. And uh, it, it's just, um, how, how, do we, how does God speak into our lives? So firstly, it's the open page of Scripture. Second is open mind. Now, this is really important because I think sometimes we spiritualize guidance. 
as if guidance is I've got to choose between these three jobs and, uh, or, or maybe I've got to choose which house I'm going to, where it's going to be house number 13 or house number 22 and I'm praying, I'm waiting for that word from heaven it just says 13, I know it's it. It's not like that. Sometimes it may be and once in a few or two more but generally I would say God wants to use our whole being. God has given us our minds. You'll keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. What does it mean to exercise our minds in guidance? Oh, you say, but Rob, you're, you're meant to be God. Yeah, but God can use our minds. So there's that amazing moment in when Jesus risen from the dead and appeared to the disciples. They're, they're, they're full of doubts, uncertainty. They feel as if you know, they've been so disappointed, hadn't worked out as they thought. And he appears to the ones on the Emmaus Road, then he appears to them in, that upper, in the upper room. And uh, there's this moment where it says that Jesus then opened their minds that they could understand the scripture, opened their minds to understand the scripture. Now, I find it helpful, therefore, to have some way in which I exercise my mind. So if I'm, let's suppose it is, whether I buy house number 13 or 21, or I take this job or that job or whatever it may be. So what I will do is I'll sit down and I'll write down the options. Suppose there are two or three options, right? And then what I'll do is, for each of them, I'll begin to write down against them the pros and the cons. For this particular option, what's the advantage of number 13? What's the best advantage? What's the disadvantage of number 13? I'll write them down, the pros and cons, for each of them. I've got quite a list, but I, and then I pray over them. And as I pray over the pros and cons, God begins to weight them. I begin to find, as I, as I wait on God, there's a sense in which that seems much more important than I thought at first, or that doesn't seem quite such a big barrier as I first thought. And what God is doing is he's exercising my mind in that exercise, so I'm actually using my mind to be able to reveal his purposes. To be able to use our minds. Now, again, it's not that we just say, oh, so is guidance then just sitting down and working it all out? No, no, no. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. Now, the thing is, don't lean on your understanding as if that's the only thing you've got. But we do find that God uses our minds, our understanding, as unfolding his purposes. That's the open page of scripture, the open mind. The second is the, the third is the open door. These are so important in guidance. By open door, God often will guide us through an open door. When Paul was going to Ephesus and uh, he stayed on there, and it says this, that God had opened to him a, a wide open door of effectiveness for Ephesus. Even though he says there was many opposed me, many stood against me, yet I felt God had opened this door, so I stayed there. So as the open door, God uses a means of confirmation. Sometimes that's the way, you know, you're praying to something and God suddenly opens the door and you feel, ooh, this is God give me a sense of that opening the way before me but what we've got to be careful of is that we don't make an open door in itself the means of guidance otherwise we become what we call opportunistic any opening any opportunity must be god i mean that opportunity is there so i, I begin to take and, and we can't say no to anything because anything's an opportunity and if it's an opportunity to serve god or do god then surely we must do it but no that's not the way in fact on one occasion paul was about to go into troas on his journeys he comes to Troas, the border of Troas, and he says, there was a wide open door into Troas. Well, off you go then, Paul. There's a wide open. No, no, no. He says, I had no rest in my spirit. So I didn't enter. I didn't go through it. So here's an example of a wide open door, but God, that inner witness of spirit, that it wasn't right. And in fact, God was guiding him more by constraint than by stimulus, as it were, to go through an open door. How in our lives do we sense, therefore, God guiding through that door, either opening a door or closing a door or giving us unease. And sometimes it's like that, you know, I often say in guidance, it's not just, oh, I'm waiting for that gush of energy to feel like God. Sometimes, you know, and it's a challenge sometimes, even in our working life, in our business life, someone gives you a great deal, you think, oh, I, can't, I couldn't turn that deal down. 
but you feel an uneasy spirit about it. You just don't feel it's right. Not, and that sense of God guiding through opening and closing a door. The fourth and final one is an open heart. And this is where we need to be open to those promptings of God's Holy Spirit. Uh, for those of you here at the Thanksgiving or watching online, we, we shared lots of different stories from our own lives where we felt God. But Pam reminded us of that story uh, originally regarding Woodlands here itself. And when we first looked at Woodlands and it was out of reach, it had been sold and was going to be developed, a multi-million pound development for a, a special sports and health centre, etc. And uh, I remember uh, keeping the estate agent's details. I've told you many times. It's just a photograph, etc. And I remember praying over it. I remember folks saying to me, Rob, it's already so. What are you praying over it for? I said, I just feel that stirring to prayer. So I prayed over it for the next week, the next month, the next six months. Nine months later, on a Sunday morning, as clear as it was, I felt God say to me, now's the time. Did you have some extra information? No, no extra. Did somebody tell you? No, 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 no. Just what is it then? It's that prompting of God's spirit. But sometimes God prompts us in a way that you sense, oh, how do we keep an open heart to those promptings of God's Spirit? You know the story of how uh, he contacted the estate agent who was um, really amazed. He said, but no one knows. It only just fell through on Friday because it's listed bill and they couldn't get planning for it. I haven't even told the team yet. We're about... And just that sense as if, oh, this was God's timing. And now it's history. Now it's part of what we've all shared in. But in our lives, what is it to have that open heart to the promptings of God's Spirit? It says sometimes that still small voice that just says, this is the way, walk in it. Sometimes it's just a whisper. But God's speaking into our lives, that sense of a prompting of his spirit. I often call it my kind of wow moments. Every week I have different things. Even this week I had one or two really significant Just a wow moment. Ooh, ooh. That was God's prompting. How do we keep a heart that's open to that? Finally, it goes on to say in those amazing words of the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. To sense that God is fulfilling his purposes on earth through us. A sense that we're tasting something of heaven, that we're bringing that to God's purposes, his kingdom here on earth to bear. Whether it's in our personal lives, in our family life, in our church life, in our city. What does it mean? What does it mean to be what I often call of that taste? Scripture speaks about tasting the age to come. One day, there'll be no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering. What does it mean when I'm facing someone, sometimes with a severe illness, or sometimes in a terminal condition, to pray? In that sense, sometimes you feel a quickening of God's spirit. But you're wanting to somehow taste that age to come and to pray, God, bring now into time that sense of a kingdom that's a now and not yet, a taste of the age to come. And I've seen God in remarkable ways do that. God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. What does it mean for us? today to pray that prayer. We're going to do it now. Let's just be open as we pray. Just sense again, we're going to pray that prayer. Oh God, come now by your Holy Spirit, we pray. May your kingdom come in our lives today. Every one of us here, Lord. Lord, forgive us when sometimes we've been on that throne, what we want, what we're going to have. We're just saying now, Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done, Lord. Help us this week to sense you guiding us through that open page, that open mind, that open door, that open heart, to be able to see your will being done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Well, thank you very much. That's very kind of you. Appreciate that. Um, Rob, great to have you sharing with us. Thank you so much. And uh, great to have you back, Rob. We were worried we'd lost you, but he's still around. So, um, yeah, really helpful as we look at prayer. And again, that even slightly mystical thing, when you pray, God, may your kingdom come and your will be done. Well, how do you know it has come? And how do you know it has happened? And some of the mystery of that. I wondered, actually, Rob, as you were sharing, for some people here, as Rob has been called to a life of prayer, and you actually feel that stirring as well around prayer in your own life, it might be worth grabbing Rob and asking for him just to pray for you. And I wonder whether for some people there's going to be a bit of a stirring. Maybe already there's a hunger, even a slight dissatisfaction around your prayer life. There's actually a sign of God's Spirit wanting to draw you a bit more deeper into what God is wanting to do as you join with him in prayer. And I just sort of felt that, Rob, as you were sharing. So just wanted to offer that to you this morning. And if that's something that you particularly resonate with, think, yeah, that is me, then um, as Rob's just around for the rest of the service, maybe just ask him to bless you, pray for you, a bit of that Rob anointing for prayer. But for the rest of our service, we're going to be taking communion, and I'm just going to be leading you in this communion time. If you don't know me, by the way, my name's Nigel. I'm part of the team here at Woody's. Um, I've been involved with the 915 service, so uh, there's lots of fun and games that go on. So this is far more relaxed and more grown up at the 11. I'm enjoying it. Um, and what we do, let me just explain how we do communion here. So as we go into it, you kind of know what to do. Um, in a moment, I'm just going to lead us through communion and just have a moment to reflect and come to God. And then it will be over to you to come and take communion. We have a team of people down at the front serving the bread and the wine. It's gluten-free bread, and it's actually red grape juice. And um, it's your chance. If you would love someone to pray with you, they'll simply ask you, is there anything I can pray for you for? And it might be that today you have a need, and you feel like, yeah, I'd really love some prayer. Now, just to be clear, you don't have to get prayer just because it's bad, all right? You don't have to get prayer because things are tricky. I mean, it's always good to pray when things are tricky, but maybe things are great, and you can still ask for prayer. You can say, actually, I'd love to just be filled with the Spirit again. Things are going good, but I'd love just more of God, and you're allowed to ask for that, and we love to pray for people, and as we do, we try to listen to God as well to see if there's anything that God might, by His Spirit, just want to say to you and encourage you. So there'll be some of the stations down here at the front. There's also at the very side, at the right and on the left, there'll be stations where you can, you'll be served the bread and wine and also at the back. Um, we're not doing it in any formal way, so the worship team will be leading us and then it'll be over to you in your time if you want to, to then come and take bread and wine. One of the things, though, that we love to do as church is actually to bless one another. Now, we're in a room full of people. Maybe we don't know everyone by name here um, but it might be that there's someone here this morning that you'd love to encourage, maybe someone you've not seen for a little while. And it could be that you want to take some bread and wine and go and find them, go and sit with them. So I'd love to just share this with you as a sign of being family, church family together. But also, is there anything I can pray for you for and bless you? And to be honest, that might be the most important thing that you're going to get out of church this morning, is not hearing from the front, but your opportunity to minister and encourage to someone this morning. So I just really encourage you, um, feel free to do that. You have my permission uh, to go and find someone, maybe, yeah, someone you know or whatever, bless them, encourage them. Is that okay? Good. If you're watching online, now's the time to get your bread and wine, quick, um, and then um, you can join us.
So I'm going to offer a moment of silence now, and in doing so, this is your opportunity to bring to God anything that you need to, where your heart is at, where you want to be, the things that have been difficult, a struggle for you this week, the things that you've enjoyed and you want to thank God for, anything that you want to bring to God now. Let's just use this silence. Since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, during the meal, he took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took a cup of wine, saying, this is the sign of the new covenant between you and God. This is my blood shed for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. And so today, right now, here in this room, in this place, Jesus, we remember you. We remember your life that you lived, sinless. We remember your death that you died for us. We remember your resurrection through the power of God bringing you back to life, to eternal life. And we also remember that now you are at the right hand of the Father. And one day you will come back to this earth that you love, to put all things right. So thank you, Jesus. I pray that you would, we would find forgiveness now as we take this bread and wine. Cleanse us from our sin. Forgive us and renew us in the power of your spirit. And I ask this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. One thing we love to say is the acclamation. It's kind of declaring a truth of who God is and what God's done. And we say that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and then Christ will come again. It kind of sums up what we've just been talking about. So we're going to say it nice and loud all together. Are you ready? Christ has died. Christ has died. 